Welcome to Bible study. It's very great to have you with us again and uh, thank you for tuning in with us. Today I'm going to introduce to you the panel and uh, particularly I would like to welcome Joseph, which is our facilitator for today. And thank you, Joseph, for coming today with us. And we're looking forward for this new Bible study for the next uh, few weeks. And um, the panel here as usual, and I will start from my right here. Welcome, Lija, to the program. Hi. And Helen, welcome back. We miss you last week. Well, thank you. I missed everybody as well. Great to be here. And uh, welcome, Harvey. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Len, for uh, also joining us. Hello, listeners. Not wasting too much time uh, because we have a great Bible study ahead of us. Uh, I will just pass it straight to um, Joseph to lead us through. Thank you, Nick. It's great to be here and uh, thank you for joining us. We do indeed have a, an exciting topic that's before us. We are starting the book of Acts and over the next few weeks we're going to be unpacking the book of Acts together and it's going to be a really exciting uh, study as we journey through that book. But before we go any further, uh, we're going to begin uh, with a word of prayer. And Len, I'll ask you if you can pray for us, please. Father in heaven, you've given us your word to teach us the things that we ought to know. And in this study, we're going to have a look at the establishment of the Christian church in the world. Pray that you'll bless each person as they listen and us as we present today. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So as I mentioned, we are beginning the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is, is an interesting book. Of course, it's the fifth book in the New Testament, coming up after the, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and comes the book of Acts. And I just wanted to spend a few moments, first of all, talking a little bit about the background to the book uh, before we actually get into, uh, in, into the text itself. So open it to the panel. First of all, let, let's look at who was it that wrote the book of Acts? We say that it's actually Dr. Luke. Um, so uh, there, is, there is variance in that. Some people say it's not, but I think the general opinion is that it's, the, it's Luke. And you mentioned Dr. Luke. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. In our terminology, he was a medico. Yeah. Paul, um, in his uh, talks in the Bible, mentioned his title as a physician. Yes. He actually calls him a beloved physician. I think it's in Colossians 4.14. What else do we know about Luke? Yes, Len. Well, he could write. Yeah. Because he wrote the book of Luke, wrote um, the book of Acts or Acts of the Apostles. Okay. So yeah. he, he was an author and uh, we, we have one of the Gospels written by him and now we find that he has also written the book, the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. Helen. He, he was also a companion of Paul and he travelled with Paul. Okay, and that will be interesting as we continue through the book, uh, because there are uh, there are some references where where it's used in the um, the the first person plural, where it says we, referring to Paul and mm. Paul and Luke. Yeah, so this this is significant. It it's the same person who wrote one of the gospels, uh, namely the third gospel on the life of Jesus, and now he is writing about the start of the Christian church or the events straight after the life, the death, the resurrection and the, and the ascension of Jesus. There is a continuity there which, which I think is, is significant. Now I have a question here. Do you think that Luke wrote the book on his own, like telling a story? Thank you for the question. Uh, we have an insight from Luke 
chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, as well as a little bit further now when we come to Acts, Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. At the very beginning of his Gospel of Luke, in, in the opening chapter, Luke chapter 1 and verses, as I said, verses 1 to 3, it actually makes, Luke makes this statement. He says, many have undertaken, I'm reading now from Luke, his opening words, Luke chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Very interesting here words that Luke uses. He's referring to the fact that others have written on the life of Jesus. And then he says, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account. In other words, Luke has uh, been aware of others that have written. He has perhaps read other accounts about the life of Jesus. And so what he has done is he's researched it as sometimes when you prepare an assignment, he's researching it, and he is now writing an account on the life of Jesus. And he's writing it, and he's, and he's actually addressing it to a particular individual by the name of Theophilus. Theophilus. And did you pick the link that Theophilus is mentioned again in? Acts, Acts, Acts. chapter 1, verse 1. So in answer to your question, Lydia, Luke, guided by the Holy Spirit, would have read, researched, and been led to various sources and documents, and he pulls these together and crafts the book of Acts. Because I was very impressed when I read the books of uh, Acts, for example, because we are studying this today, I was very impressed in the book that uh, it was written so meticulously. This is one of the few instances in Scripture where we find how, how the Bible writers worked. Luke says he researched, and he composed it, and he put it together. Helen? I believe that um, Luke was the only non-Jewish writer yeah. in the New Testament. And so we see it from a different position. And I guess that shows us that God favours no one. He, he loves every one of us individually. So Luke was also coming from a different point of view, um, not brought up as a, a Jew. And I, I think that's interesting also, because when you read Luke and you read Acts of the Apostle and and you learn a little bit more about this man. It's so interesting that why was he called the beloved disciple? Because not only did he love Jesus, he knew that Jesus loved him. Yes. As a, a non-Jew, as a Gentile. And I think that gives hope for everybody. Yes. Yeah, mm. thank you. Unlike the other gospel writers, Luke was probably not an eyewitness. But telling that he was a doctor indicated that he was an educated man and so when he okay. researched his researches were productive to say the least and documented yeah thank mm. you len it's interesting i have some um, helps in my bible that says luke the companion of paul mm -hmm. in the book of acts there's the word we the we would refer to luke who actually wrote the book but it would also include paul so we would have to consider Luke was there. He experienced a lot of things that gets written about, but it's kind of a joint thing. Not necessarily that Paul wrote stuff, 
but he was, they were together. I mean, it is important to know who wrote the books, but the most important thing is that they were part of this ministry. And as Paul in, um, in some other epistles, uh, talking about what he was doing, his journeys and so on, somebody else may wrote down in those things. Why? For various reasons. Paul, for example, has an, he had a bad eyesight. And that's what I'm thinking, that it's important for us to know, as Helen mentioned, that even though he was a Gentile, but uh, Harvey mentioned also that he was an educated person, and probably people will say, look, write down some of these things. Or as Joseph put it, he took this responsibility. Uh, he felt the call to leave something behind for other people. Let's now, and Helen, you touched on this by mentioning about Luke being a Gentile, which influences the themes. And uh, this is what I want to now uh, look at for a moment before we get right into the text. What are some of the themes of the Book of Acts? Salvation. Yes. Okay, Len, thank you. Okay, I think one of the uh, themes that goes right through the book is the power of God working through these men, Paul and Peter and the other uh, apostles. Mm. Thank you. Good. Lydia, another theme? Yes, and also is the kingdom of God. Uh Uh-huh. which I think to me is like the central theme of Jesus' teachings. It's mentioned many times in, t- uh, in the New Testament, 50 times in Matthew, 13 in Mark, 37 in Luke, and five times in John. So I think that wherever the kingdom reference occurs, there is a sense of newness, mm. um, urgency, and expectations. Mm. Thank you. Helen. Yeah, can I come back to the the very beginning? It's acts is really a collection of actions, if if you like. It's about the behaviour um, of these, how the disciples behave, but it's also how they acted from that be- within that behaviour. Yes. And I believe there's a lesson right there for us in that we don't just talk the talk; we need to walk the walk. Yes. And and for me, that's what acts brings out. Yes. You know that they when they were filled with the holy spirit man what a change yes. they turned the world upside down yeah. and and that should be effect- effective today yeah yeah no thank you so what we've established so far is the book of acts was written by luke who uh, was a gentile living in the first century who'd heard about jesus become a believer and um, had written one of the gospels and now writes about the acts of, of the, the, the early Christian church, the, describing the, the, uh, the formative period of the early church and uh, some of the, the key themes that we will see as we continue our study uh, throughout this book. Uh, number one, the universality of salvation, uh, the fact that God has no favourites, that we're called to witness to all people. Um, the, another theme that comes out is the, the, the role, the primary role of the Holy Spirit in empowering and guiding the church for its mission. And, um, and we'll look forward to expanding on those as we continue through this book. And uh, if we open up to Acts chapter 1, and um, I'm going to ask one of our panel members to read the first three verses there. So that's Acts 1, verses 1 to 3. Thank you, Len. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. 
he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Thank you. Did you notice there how he links this book back to his gospel? Yeah. Clearly says, in my former book, in the very opening words, in my former book, referring back to the gospel of Luke. And now he, 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 he picks up the story after the death, resurrection of Jesus, mentioning 40 days that Jesus showed himself. And then we find him going on into into verse 4. So let, let, let's now go to verse 4, will we? Can I just jump in there? You can. Theophilus, I believe, was a student of Luke's. And so he was directing him through these letters uh, to encourage him, to direct him and guide him in his work as well. And there is also another lesson for us, isn't it? To mentor other people. That's right. As the, as the Lord opens the way. Yeah, mm. I appreciate also, that's good. And also I have the information that uh, that this Theophilus is a Greek nobleman of means and culture and probably he was a good friend of Luke and possibly a recent convert to Christ. Isn't that interesting? Mm. So here we find a specific individual uh, that, that has the messages of God. God has a message for all of us, doesn't he? Yes. For every person. It's like saying there's a direct message. You, you don't have to be just you know, a special clergy person or something to be able to, to have a message from God. God wants to speak directly to every person. Thank you for bringing those insights out. I also like to, to bring up another aspect. What I got from this is that um, uh, Luke and Theophilus, they were friends. Mm -hmm. And how important it is when you go and uh, share the good news, the gospel with people, to make friends with them, not just go to do it as a duty, just as something, you know, I have to do this. No, you establish a connection there. And I think it's a very important point there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a good point. Thank you. Let's now read... Acts 1, verses 4 to 5. Acts 1, verses 4 to 5. And um, I think, uh, Harvey, if you could read that for us. Thank you. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Okay, we need to spend a few moments here looking at this, th these couple of verses because they, they, these really uh, are the key and really lay the foundation for what's going to take place, particularly in the next chapter. And this is very significant for these early disciples and informative and instructive for us who, who choose to believe and follow, follow Jesus. What is the instruction that Jesus gave according to what we read there in verse 4. Wait yes. until you be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait. Thank you. I, I want to compare this passage with, with another one um, in, in, back, back in Luke. And uh, Helen, you have that one there. Yes, Luke 24, 49. Uh, notice again the crossover. Back to his other gospel. Mm -hmm. And Luke 24, verse 49 comes near the almost near the very end of his gospel so it's a direct link back thanks helen i read and it be and behold i send the promise of my father unto you but tarry ye in the city of jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high 
I, if I can just add something here, I found this extremely interesting that here we have disciples who have spent time with Jesus. They've learnt at the feet of Jesus. They have seen miracles. They've heard his words. They were starting, they understood prophecies. They believed the prophecies and they were ready to share and tell. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got like ready, set, go on. But here Jesus says no. Yeah. He says wait because you need more preparation. Yeah. You need power from on high. Yeah. And and that struck me when I was reading this. Too often we are ready, set, rearing to go, but we want to go in our own power, our own strength. Uh-huh. And it is so important that we listen to what's being told here. That word wait, that word tarry is so, so important that we go under the power of the Holy Spirit. And back in the Acts um, chapter 1 verse Five, I think it's very important that uh, Luke is quoting, you know, from Jesus mm. and saying that, I mean, wait, but even though John baptized with water, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's stressing out again and again here the n- importance of uh, the presence of Holy Spirit in your life before yes. you go and uh, share the good news, the gospel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Lydia. So in these verses, we we have seen that they were about to go to go where i think they were about to go to spread the jesus gospel to other people yes wait for the gift my father promised don't go on your own and preach the gospel but go being sure that the holy spirit is there to speak on your behalf this is what i understand mm. it's mm. jesus saying those words through luke's writing down what jesus said Wait. Yeah. Yeah. You will be filled with the Holy Uh, Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Luke is quoting Jesus uh, Mm -hmm. from when he was with the disciples in those days, in that period of time after his resurrection. Yeah. Uh, He had a few days that he was spending with them and he was giving them some final instructions. And the instruction here we see is to wait, tarry, as the old English word uh, refers to. Then then there's a couple of key words there he says that's used gift, promise. Gift, promise. What was the gift? What is this gift? What was this promise? We've already mentioned it in our conversation. The Holy Spirit. Thank you. Let's read about that. And I think somebody's got uh, John 16. Let's read about this gift, this promise. Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 7, and then also verses 12 to 13. Thanks, Len. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Mm, Thank you. So, what is this gift? Jesus says to them, wait for the gift wait for the promise from my father which you have heard me speak about it's referring back to the 
Holy Spirit, it was Promise of the Holy mentioned, Spirit. Be, yeah. mentioned earlier. And interestingly and enough, Jesus says it's actually for your good that I go. Yes. Mm. He yeah. calls him the comforter, another comforter. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a beautiful promise. Yes. Beautiful. And so what, what we see here before we're now, I guess, applying it, aren't we? Uh, before we can venture out, we need to wait for the power of the Spirit. Mm. I interrupted you before, um, Joseph. I apologize for that. You were about to say that it was expedient that um, Jesus um, went mm. or ascended. And I, I believe that is quite correct because Jesus came in the form of a, a man, ah, but he yes. was in that form. The the Spirit is a being, you know, um, and could be everywhere at once. Jesus was restricted while yeah. he was on this earth. So it was expedient that he left and another comforter came that could be everywhere. Yeah. Now I'm wondering if somebody has a question. Do you have to wait? But what about if your life is constantly filled with the Spirit? If your life is constantly filled with the Holy Spirit, you will see the fruits of the Spirit in your life. So you will know that the Holy Spirit is working through you and is visible. This is what the Bible says. So you don't actually have to wait? I think the waiting is only until you get the Spirit. Yes. When you get the Spirit, waiting is no longer valid. I be- oh, sorry. Yeah, Go ahead, uh, I was just going to say that uh, waiting probably we can even... Uh, um, say it another way it's uh, preparation yeah. uh, waiting is not something just a passive waiting yes. but it's a time of preparation and that was what happened with the disciples in the upper room in the time of waiting what they did mm. they sort out they things pray. among themselves we'll, we'll get yeah. to that in a moment yeah yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. sorry for jumping ahead yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah no but it, yeah. It's, it's all relevant yep we'll come i back believe to that the land. example is jesus he waited on his father, didn't he? He waited. He spent all night in prayer at times with his father, waiting for what the father wanted to tell him. And uh, even though you are filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe that we still need to wait to listen. Because sometimes, you know, we be filled with the Holy Spirit and off we go. But we can, we can diverge. We can diverge into our own thinking rather than waiting for the Holy Spirit. Mm. When we're talking to people, um, it is is a time sometimes we just are bursting to share what Jesus has done in our life. Mm. But the Holy Spirit knows the right timing for that person. That's the bit of waiting for him to direct us and say, give your testimony Mm. now or do this now. I believe there is still a waiting. In the morning when my wife and I have worshipped together, we ask to be filled with the Spirit for that day. So before we make any decisions or do anything, do we have to wait further? How do you feel about that? Well, I, we ask that the Holy Spirit fills our lives. And you believe and we, it? And we go mm-hmm. out. When I say go out, we do things, I believe, being motivated and led by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Wh- one thing which um, I believe in the book of Acts is important that Jesus himself through his ministry and um, you know how the prophecy was fulfilled that Jesus said I came to my people then they received me not and he still have a burden for his people which was Israel mm. and we'll see in the next verse when we'll approach that that Jesus is instructing his disciples to prepare to be able to go back in Jerusalem I mean to to really continue the ministry of Jesus because those people in Jerusalem was they were those people who crucified Jesus mm. these were not 
easy to approach these people, put it this way. And I think it was very important that they prepare to be able to start there, not to avoid the Jewish people or in Jerusalem, but to really prepare to start to meet, to witness to them first. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was there with them and yet he said, you need to wait. Yeah. I, I found that extremely interesting. Yeah. There is a power that we need yes. from on high. We can we can come to know Jesus and love him and, and give our hearts and lives to him. But it is the infilling of the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to witness mm. and the strength, mm. the boldness. Yeah, thank you. Lydia. In Acts uh, chapter 1 verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So this receiving power, to me, it's like a dynamite. It's yes. like an explosive reaction. It's like a power promised by Jesus. It's like an ability, a capability and a capacity. Yeah. And we'll get to that verse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Len. I just want to come back to this wait business. How do you wait? Uh, waiting, uh, being active. Well, it says Praying how they waited. in relationship with, with God. It what says how they waited here. They spent their time in prayer. Prayer, prayer yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, an interesting question about the waiting, and, and, and maybe, Len, what you're getting at is, is this indicating that the Spirit hadn't been working? No, it wouldn't be the case. The, the Spirit was always working, and the Spirit continues to work and woo on people's hearts and lives. Yes. But clearly, there is there was an additional uh, special empowering of the spirit that they hadn't experienced because clearly that's what verse 5 is referring to Jesus says to them you've been baptized with water you've been baptized by John but in a few days you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit so it actually is biblical that there is an an extra empowering and an anointing not to deny that the spirit is not present with us and continually leading and working but there there, there is there is an empowering so the question is it's possible that uh, we have experienced water baptism but have we been baptized by the spirit maybe we have it uh, is a personal application it looks a little bit to me like driving a car you can drive in first gear and you can be moving but then you have to change up a gear okay yeah okay that that could be a helpful analogy thank you (laughs) what they waited for we will see fulfilled in our next topic when we come to Acts chapter 2, the actual historical fulfillment of that. Let's look at verse 6 now. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, and uh, I might get um, maybe um, Helen. Are you able to read verse 6 if you have it there? Yes, Acts chapter 1, verse 6 says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Thank you. What were the disciples expecting? An earthly king to mm. overrule the tyranny of the Roman Empire. Mm. They expected Israel to be an autonomous nation again <laughs> under the leadership of Jesus. What Now, they had been with Jesus for three and a half years, this group of people. They had... Was this the first time they thought this may occur? That 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 this was sort of what he'd come to do? No, they'd asked it several times. Yeah, actually, yeah, they didn't get the message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what do you think may have prompted them to now ask the question again? Maybe they thought the power yeah. that they would be given was going to be a power to overcome the rulers yeah. rulership mm-hmm. of the Romans. 
So Jesus has just said, wait, something's going to come. In their minds, they've flipped back again to a temporal, earthly, physical kind of thing. Whereas the kingdom that Jesus is referring to is a is is, is of a spiritual nature. Mm. Um, no, notice in verse seven to eight now, verses seven to eight, how the idea of the kingdom differs. Their idea of the kingdom, the disciples' idea of the kingdom, differs from Jesus' kingdom. Um, Harvey, do you ha- have that there? Thank you. Verses seven and eight. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Mm. So, what Jesus was referring to is not what they were expecting. And the kingdom that they expected to, um, to be part of, namely Israel, was expanded. It was going to uh, Jerusalem, uh, Judea, yes. Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, including Australia. <laughs> uh, which this plan of, uh, of mission that they were saying that I think it, it applies in my life also, that first I have to be a witness in my family, uh, with my children and my husband, and after to uh, the extended family, and after to the workers, co-workers, and neighbors, and church, and so on and so on. So it's extending wherever I go, wherever I travel, I have to be a witness. So exactly Mm. this applies to me. Mm. Helen? Yeah, um, I was reading in a, a book the other day a comment, and I think it's worth sharing at this point. It said, to understand when the kingdom of God should be restored was not the thing of most importance for them to know. They were to be found following the master, praying, waiting, watching, and working. They Mm. were to be his representatives to the world of the character of Christ. Mm. So by focusing on that exact time that he was going to set up his kingdom was not what what Jesus wanted them to focus on. It was important for them to know that this was going to happen, but it was important also that they they were found following the master. We are Christians. That means Christians have the name of Christ, we follow him. That, that's actually a very good point. So the disciples are actually, as we read on in a moment, they're looking to, to something glorious, could we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're, in a moment they're going to be looking up, whereas Jesus is saying, you've got a work to do. Exactly right. Um, and I think it's a lesson for us. Sometimes but you we, need we, to wait and watch as yeah, well. Yeah. As I, think, I think we'll pick up on that. Harvey? I think it's interesting that in my Bible it's got what I just read in red. Mm. And then immediately after that, it says, and when he had spoken those things, mm. that's when he was as- he ascended. Yeah. So we'd have to say that the last things that Jesus said to those that were watching at that time has to be very important. It was a last statement that he made Good to point. them face to face. Good point. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Len? Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Mm. And as you read on through the book of Acts, particularly as it uh, related to the Jewish Sanhedrin, when Peter and John were arrested for preaching, Jesus had died and risen again. They took them to task, but Peter and John with power and surprise to all these learned people spoke fearlessly about Jesus Mm. who had died and risen again. 
and they were his witnesses for sure. Key words there. Thank you for, for highlighting that. And, and we picked up a few of them. Uh, Lydia, earlier you referred to, uh, in verse 8 there, it says, um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, that word power uh, is based from the Greek word dunamis, where we get dynamite. Yeah. You have mentioned about witness. In the original language, the word witness there is um, martuo, from where we get word martyr. Now, the, these people to whom Jesus was saying this, they weren't going to witness only with their words, with their lips, but with their very own lives, mm. uh, which, which actually adds a real, real, weight, real weight to what, what's going on here. So in verse 8, it's a key verse. Harvey, you said this is probably literally the last words Jesus speaks. So it's key. It's very important. And uh, we, we need to highlight that. Let's pull together what I see as four key elements from this passage concerning the disciples' mission and in turn, you and I, as, as those who choose to, to want to follow and believe in him. Number one is the gift of the Spirit. The Spirit, whilst he's always been active and working, is paramount. His power is paramount. Without the Spirit, nothing can be done in the work of God, number one. Number two, the role of witness. The role of witness. The disciples were eyewitnesses firsthand. We may not have, have the opportunity to see Jesus face to face, but we need to have a direct experience of him to be his witnesses. The third element here is the plan of mission. Now, Lydia, you touched on this. And Jesus outlines here, says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That was where they were. Judea, which was the region, like the state. The next one. Then to? Samaria. Samaria. Now, let's just pause there for a moment. How, what, how do they feel about the Samaritans? <laughs> they didn't like them. <laughs> in fact, much more than that, probably. Yeah, yeah. And then to the ends of the earth so picture like a a a rock falling into a pond the ripple ripples move their way out there's a plan for mission here it was a progressive progressive plan harvey and then lydia i think we have to recognize also that the as you said the holy spirit is a gift and in fact, in a story in Scripture as well, where a person saw the work of the Holy Spirit and he asked if he could buy it. Yeah. yeah. And he was uh, very quickly put in his place, actually, because yeah. it's not something you can buy. Yeah, 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 good point. Thank you. Lydia. I would like to say that to be a witness, it's not up to me to be a witness, but it's up to the Holy Spirit to make me a witness. So being a witness, it means... They have a stronger relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, and he makes me to be a witness. Mm. So um, it, this implies experiences with, with the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, during my life. So uh, something uh, uh, that which I can tell others from my own uh, private life experience with, with God. Mm. Mm, no. So I Thank can you. be a witness in little things, mm -hmm. and after the Holy Spirit can advance your, your own work in being a witness in bigger things. Mm. Helen? I, I was just honing in on a word there um, in the Bible, but ye shall 
receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come unto you. You shall be witnesses. Mm. Uh, it's not a maybe, is it? Mm. It's, 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 it's a wonderful promise. Yes. You will receive, yeah. you know, and you will be, you know, yeah, you will be my witness. It's promised as a gift. I just find that just, that's empowering. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is yeah. truly empowering. That's good. Mm. Len? Well, it's a little bit aside, and it's moving on. The disciples who were there were witnesses of Jesus' departure too. And so when they were witnessing to other people, telling them about Jesus they could also talk about Jesus who died rose again mm. who who went back to heaven and is coming again mm. now that's good that's a good yes. segue into the next yes. passage which <laughs> I did want us to get into uh, as time is is moving on let's let's go to acts 1 9 to 11 after he said this he was taken up before their very eyes <laughs> and a cloud hid him from their sight they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. Thank you. Yeah, Nick. In this passage, it's already uh, we can see the picture of the second coming of Jesus Christ described. You know, because people uh, experience uh, uh, how to say um, sadness mm. seeing Jesus departing, but they, the angels assure them that Jesus is going to come again. Mm. I would like to just go back a fraction to link it this occasion with the Great Commission which Jesus uh, gave the disciples to go into the whole world and particularly start with Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and uh, the rest of the world is that for many, many years it was encrypted, if you like, in their experience, the Jewish nation that they are the special people of God which God uh, gave them a special uh, treatment, if you like, choosing them. And for many years they were just waiting there for themselves. And even God's plan was that through their, through their experience, then there may be an example for the rest of the world, mm. that the world will be attracted to them. But in this occasion, Jesus is sending them out yes. into the world, not to stay here and expect people to come and ask you uh, about Jesus, but you to go intentionally and tell about Jesus. Yeah. And yeah, thank you. That was actually the fourth element. So I, I, I neglected to, to highlight the fourth one, which was the the orientation, which was to go. Up until then, it was more like a, the, the the model of mission was come and see. Now it was to go and tell, go and tell. So here we see the description of the ascension of Jesus, mm -hmm. and clearly the promise that in the same way that he went up, he will come back in in like manner. And these disciples saw this. They heard the voice of these two beings, which we would most likely see would, would have been two angels that, that speak, speak to them. And, um, and, and so Jesus leaves them. He had, he, he had been promised, he had been indicating that he was going to go. He had said, it is for your good that I go, it's expedient. And, um, he, but he promised that he won't leave them, uh, won't leave them alone. That presence of those two angels over there, it's very important because it gives us the assurance that 
whatever he says is going to, to be true. Yes. That in yeah. the way Jesus ascended, in the same way he'll come back. Yeah. No, that's good. Let's, let's keep moving um, because we are running out of time. Can we go to verse 12? Verse 12 and, and, uh, and, and 13. Well, 12 to 14. 12 to 14. I just wanted to say something that hit me when I was studying this and it really hit me in a big way and that was we look at Jesus' ascension and yes he's going to come in the same manner and we say he'll have all these angels with him but you know we need to realise that Jesus went as one who had fought a battle. Mm. He was a mighty conqueror and and he he ascended he was he was worthy to be exalted because he overcame the grave. He overcame Satan. And he is going to come back as a mighty conqueror. Mm. Mm. You know, and for me, that really hit it this week. Sorry, I had to yeah, think yeah, that in, but yeah. yeah. No, no, thank you. Yes. Uh, so, Acts 1, 12 to 14. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James uh, and let, John. Let me just pause you there and interrupt. The, the disciples have seen Jesus ascend and they go back to what's called here an upper room. Now, tell me, what's the significance of this upper room? What's significant? What, what else has taken place in the upper room? Let, let's go I back think, a little bit. I well, think this upper... With upper the Last Supper. Ah, okay. Yeah, let's let's unpack that a little bit because what? How how were the disciples back then? They were selfish. They were unprepared. They were uh, about their own business. Yeah, yeah. Because we have the story in John thirteen where no one wanted to wash the feet. Remember that? And and, and Jesus ended up getting and doing the the work of a humble servant, washing their feet. Luke says that there were there was I think it's got a, um, they were discussing and arguing amongst each other as to who would be the the greatest. All this was taking place in the upper room. Then they were there for fear of the Jews when Jesus was crucified and had been arrested and crucified. But now, back in that room, some interesting events have taken place in the upper room, haven't they? Yeah. Mm. What's transpired for them now as they go back to the upper room? But I Tell think me. I think in that upper room is a witness of many things that uh, took place over there. When they feared the Jews, don't you think they they were gathered together over there and praying, praying for God's strength and God's mm. power yeah. and light and the Holy Spirit? And I think that on the upper room, to me, it's an altar where they come together and pray constantly uh, uh, being constantly in prayer this is this is to me an altar for us we need to have an upper room probably before they were fearful and disappointed now they were full of courage and appointed they were appointed by Jesus they had a mission what they had to do to go and spread the gospel mm. and so from disappointed came appointed that's a good way of putting it, Lynn. Mm -hmm. That's a real, yeah. Mm. And they had gone through that experience. Would it be fair to say that we also need to go through that experience? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Their focus changed, didn't it? Yeah. It, it had changed. Yes. And, and, and we see that, 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 that they thought they had it all together. Uh, you remember Peter, for example? What did he promise? Lord, yeah. even if all the others forsake you? Oh, I'll never do that. Yeah. But he had to experience the cross uh, he, he, he went through that uh, he saw his master hanging on a cross 
dying the, for him. The difference there was before when he said, I will never forsake you, was the I was there. <laughs> this was different now. Yeah. The Holy Spirit was taking over. Yeah. Yeah, it was no longer the I. I read a very good statement. Just, just I know you want to finish up, but I read a very good statement. Said there is no limit to the one who, setting self aside, makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit in his or her life. And I just want to say I testify to that today. You know, the Holy Spirit has worked in my life, and and He's enabled me to do things I never ever thought I'd be able to do. Yeah. And I praise Him for that. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you, Harvey. You asked the question about what was about the upper room there was a very big difference because where there was bickering and trying to get to the highest position and everything but verse 14 which we didn't get to read it says these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren so the attitude was completely changed it was a case of they were together doing things together. Mm. And there was one accord, and that is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that, that's exactly right. And thank you for taking us to verse 14. That, 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 that's, that's very much part of what was taking place in the upper room because that there is our answer to the question of what they were to do while they were waiting. Jesus said, Tarry, go back to Jerusalem and wait there. Here we are told what they did while they waited. And there had been a change of attitude, absolutely. Len? Somebody was missing, and that was Judas. And uh, I don't know if we're going to get around to this, but um, the reason for Judas's death was given by Peter when he was speaking to this assembled group. Yeah, but, go but for it, it, go for it, that's But good. in Matthew chapter 27, 5, it says Judas went and hanged himself and in verse 18 of Acts 1, it talks about he f Judas bought a field and there he fell headlong, his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Not a very nice picture. But some people say, well, here you have a contradiction in the Bible. How can I believe the Bible when in one book it says one thing and another says another thing? I don't see this as a problem. I see this something like this. Judas probably climbed a tree with a rope. It could have been in a rocky area, might have been over a precipice of some sort, I don't know. And it's quite possible either the rope or the branch broke. And he had the rope around his neck when he, when he was found dead, but he smashed on the rocks or branches or logs or whatever it was below. And he was very mutilated. So I don't see this as a contradiction. I see this as an addition. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's helpful. That's really helpful. Thank you, thank you Len. Um, in connecting this passage, Acts 1.18, that you just referred to there, back, yeah. to, back to the account in the Gospel of Matthew, yeah. Matthew 27. That's right. We appreciate that, that, that very much. So, yeah, you're right. Judas is missing. Uh, he's he, he's not part of the original part of this group of twelve. That they, they've got the eleven now, and along with the other women. And we read here that they that that um, that Peter stands up to say that they need to choose a replacement for Judas. Yes. From from the description here, wh what's the process that they go through to choose? What uh, what are the process? What's the steps? And what were the qualifications they're looking for? They In chose two people. Yes. And after that, they prayed about it. And after they cast lots. 
Okay. And another thing was that they should be people who are accompanying them in the ministry with, uh, with Jesus yes. while Jesus was on this earth. Again, some eyewitnesses. Yes. 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 Now that's good. Thank you. Harvey, did you have something there that you wanted to add? I was just going to say they cast lots, which is an interesting uh, way of doing things. Yeah. Um, we sort of say, well, that's just a case of luck. But it's very carefully, when you go back into Scripture and you see where it happened previously, where in the time of Israel they mm. cast lots mm. over things. And basically if a lot fell on a person or a lot was decided one way or another, it was usually, not usually, I'd say it was always right if it was done in the right, asking God for his guidance. And the luck is taken out of it in light of what we just alluded to here, the process beforehand. So I want us to notice here the, the, um, the, the key elements that stand out. Scripture, number one, Peter begins and he quotes scripture. Then they spend time in prayer. Then, uh, uh, then they also consider, well, even prior to the prayer actually, they outline the qualifications that they're going to look for. Namely, it had to be someone who had been an eyewitness of, of Jesus. And then they spend time in prayer and then comes to the actual, the lots that, that, that were cast. Um, so there, there is a deliberate biblical based prayer filled process in, in choosing the replacement for Judas. And my question, Nick, yeah. my question will be, why was it important to complete the number twelve? We can go along in, you know, and talk various things about num the twelve mm. in Israel. But what I would like to stress out at this point is that if somebody uh, missing out on the favor, if you like, which Jesus offered to all of them, you know, the disciples, somebody else will take the place. If we don't do the will of God, somebody else will do it, and the work will continue, but we'll miss out on a very important thing which God assigned us to do. Mm. No, thank you. Len? Another qualification is that this person had to be willing, and Matthias, who they had chosen, had been with the disciples, and, and he was sort of somebody in the background. But he was willing. If he wasn't willing, well, the choice would have meant nothing. And and that's true. And interestingly enough, uh, my understanding is that the name Matthias actually means a, a follower, a disciple. Mm. Yeah. That brings us to the end of end of chapter one. Why don't we spend in the last remaining moments uh, pulling together what we've what we've covered uh, here? Um, what, as we've looked at this, we, we've talked about Luke as the author, Luke as the Gentile, Luke as as the one who. Um, had heard about Jesus and now wants to has written an account on his life. Now wants to write an account on things that take place um, after the ascension of, of Jesus, and we see the start here to to his book. Um, I want to ask you: Here we are in you know in living two thousand years down the track. What what is it that we can draw out from what we have covered in our time together today? I'll start with you, Len. Okay, well, I thought about this quite a bit. I thought about Judas. Judas was interested in power, position, wealth. How did he end up? Well, he was so disappointed he went and killed himself. The others were not interested in power, position and wealth. They were interested in honouring and serving the Lord. Now, I know most of them lost their lives, but in 
losing their lives, they had the promise which they believed from the bottom of their hearts that God would raise them up at the last day and they would have eternal life. And for me, that's how I feel. Um, more important than money, wealth, well, wealth is money, money and power and all that is to be faithful and true as a witness to the Lord Jesus then I too can experience what they were looking forward to. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Lydia. To me, this lesson has a meaning in a way that uh, I am living in a time of Pentecost. I am living in the upper room, a time of preparation to be constantly in prayer, constantly in the temple, praying God also, and this involves um, being in a time of confession of my sins, a time of repentance and the putting away of sin, placing my spiritual life in a full harmony with, uh, with God, with the Holy Spirit, is preparing myself to go out there. I mean, first of all, to be a witness in my family, with my children, with my husband, into the church with my co-workers and so on and in this way I can be a witness here wherever I live and later uh, guide, guided by the Holy Spirit to the end of the earth and to the very end of the age until Jesus comes. Mm, no, thank you, thank you. Um, anybody else wanted to add a thought? Uh, Harvey and then... Just a simple thought for me is that we're called to be witnesses. Yes. Now, to be a witness means that we have to have, have experienced it, seen it and experienced it. It's not just hearing what happened from others, it's actually having a personal experience that we can share. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. A short Harvey. statement, Helen? sorry, a short statement that, that I read this week says, God needs witnesses more than lawyers. Yeah. Not to put down lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> in any way shape or form but I think too often <clears throat> like a lawyer we tend to want to argue and that's not what the word witness is, is all about we are to confirm you know we're to confirm what we believe what we have yeah. personally experienced and um, I believe that all who receive the life of Christ are ordained to work for the salvation of their fellow men and it's that work that the church was established and we need to take that on board. But we need to especially remember that we cannot do anything without Christ in our life mm. and the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yes. So the, the book of Acts describes the launch of the Christian movement, a movement that Jesus himself launched when he was initially here on earth with his, with his disciples. He called people to come to follow him and he launched a movement, a movement of disciples a disciple-making movement. And as we will discover, as we continue through the book of Acts, we will find that from this small group of people, a movement arose and spread throughout the then-known world in a few short years. Whatever it is, whatever else we discover about the book of Acts, key and central to it is to discover that here we find a description of a disciple-making movement that Jesus launched. A disciple is not just a believer, it's not just a follower, it's one who goes 
and makes other disciples following the pattern the pattern of Jesus what we have looked at today in Acts chapter 1 has just given us an insight into the preparation phase for this disciple making movement the keys to the preparation is that it's essential to recognize that as the early as this group of disciples did so we also need to first go to the cross they had been to Calvary and they had experienced God's love and witnessed it firsthand there then they were empowered by the Spirit to go and be the disciple makers that Jesus had called them to be as someone once said Calvary is the root Pentecost is the fruit and we'll look at that even more as we continue into Acts chapter 2 next time May God bless you all. Thank you, Joseph, uh, and thank you, panel, for a great discussion. Thank you for tuning in with us, and we invite you to come back and be with us as we continue to study the book of Acts. Until next time, may God bless you, and don't forget, God has a purpose with each one of you. <laughs>